You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Melissa Watson. Today is a first for the Mothball Prophecies. It's a topic we've never covered on the show, but Mel and I had to take a relatively shallow and quick dive into the topic recently. From buried treasure to your grandfather's dresser, a few of this collector's favorite items may be hiding in a dish or in a closet. Welcome to the show, Josh Scott of Commodore Coins. Hi, Josh. Hey, how's it going, ladies? Thank you for having me today. Yeah, welcome. Absolutely. Thanks for sitting down with us. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I've got so much to show you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait, because when I was reading through your questionnaire, I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. There's so many cool things that you uh, own, coin, (laughs) coin. I'm I'm very excited to get into them with you, so we appreciate your time today on Sunday to sit down with us. Absolutely. And you're in Southern California, correct? I am, yeah. Delightful. Born and raised, right? I am. Yeah, born and raised. And it's been uh, it, the only downside to being here is that it's hard sometimes with collecting because the history of this area is not as rich or as old as some other parts of the country. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've got to do a lot of searching around the not just the country, but the whole world uh, to yeah. find some of this stuff. So I'm excited to dive into it. Cool. The first thing I always think of when I think of San Diego is from Anchorman when he's like, San oh, yes. Diego. <laughs> oh, yes. Whale's vagina. <laughs> yeah. uh, he liked to think that there was lots of pirate ships and wreckages and loot to be found on the coast of Southern California. But I don't think that's correct, is it? Yeah, to my understanding, um, there, there was tales of a ship that might have gone down somewhere in in the Southern California area between... Los Angeles and the border during the 1600s. Um, never found it, but there were tales of that. Um, and actually in San Diego, in Coronado, which is a you know, really popular part of San Diego, really pretty and old, there actually was a ship. There is a shipwreck. Um, it was a gambling and I'll put it as a, uh, as a vice <laughs> barge. Gambling, um, <laughs> drinking, prohibition era. Well, it uh, it ran aground by the beach during a storm and sunk. And when it's really, really low tide, maybe once every couple years, you'll see the skeleton of the ship will pop up. Um, and people Whoa. do find silver coins and and old stuff. But it was you know it was the go to thing for being in the ocean, and you could yeah. gamble. And you know if you were Have looking for debauchery, debauchery. Dream That'd be the place to go. But that's the only shipwreck, at least in in those areas that I, I really know about. But wow, yeah, cool. that's exciting. Now, before we get headlong into coins and the different realms of yeah. it and your specialty in it, um, I want to know your origin story to collecting because every collector has like a jumping off point where they started collecting and who taught them how to collect. So who introduced you to be like, hey, there's cool shit, take it home and keep it forever. Yeah. Who led you to that? Well, if I think it first started with my grandfather. He was, he'd always would tell me tales of just all the different type of stuff he collected. He was born in the 20s. Um, didn't have my dad until he was in halfway through his forties. So there's like a whole generation that skipped where I would have been, you know, a solid 15 years older than I am now. Had it been, you know, gone how most people did after world war two, got married immediately and started having a family. So 
my grandfather really started with my dad and showing him, you know, the world of coins and, and various weapons and stuff being in the Navy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of guys came back from, he was over in um, the South Pacific and when they would go through these islands, his job was he built runways and bunkers and towns and stuff like that. Uh, (laughs) he didn't do any fighting, but they would go through and be clearing brush and they would just find stuff remnants after the battles and so a lot of guys would take stuff home and <laughs> yes you were not allowed to do that they find of out of course not yeah um <laughs> so what happened with him was that he he had found beautiful like katanas and other you know japanese artifacts and most people would just put them in their bags and no one said anything uh yeah. well as they are sailing into san francisco uh one of the officers comes by and tells everyone is like hey if you have any any contraband um mm-hmm. you need to get rid of it uh because you'll go to prison as soon as we get to dock so he took and everyone else took bags of swords rifles medals flags and threw them into the bay and <gasps> as soon as they got there no one was checking oh so there's oh there's so mad so much stuff i guarantee you underneath the golden gate bridge all in oh, that harbor God. that is centuries old that all just got we ch- gotta get chucked. we gotta go scuba diving yeah we, <laughs> it. we gotta get our license yeah so it started with that and then when i was a little kid my dad and my grandfather we would go to coin shows um there's a really big one in near los angeles in the long beach area called the long beach coin show happens mm. three or four times a year and it's pretty much the biggest coin show on the West Coast. And it's got everything from U.S. coins to stuff from Asia to ancient coins dating, you know, Alexander the Great time and, you know, Egyptian stuff. All that cool. You could you could get it all there where normally wow. you couldn't find it just at your local coin shop. So, yeah, that was my first introduction to it is I remember my dad giving me a silver dollar. Uh, Morgan silver dollar made in, I think around 1888. And he's like, this is the kind of money they used in the wild West. And <laughs> that immediately tells a story. So now you yeah. have all of this behind it. And then we go to see family in Lake Tahoe and we go just East. There's an old mining town that they keep there. It's called Virginia city. And it's mm-hmm. famous for a lot of people go there for ghost hunting because there's a lot of hauntings around there. And that's, you know, they found a absolute shit ton of silver. So a lot of silver went from there to the Carson City Mint, which is very famous. And a lot of people collect Carson City stuff. And so then now I have a story. Wow, this could have come from this area. And, yeah. and so painting the picture behind every item has been my passion. It's, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's great to make money off of reselling something, but it's even sure. cooler to now inspire somebody off of something that has an entire picture behind behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. The thing I like about coins, too, is like when you pick up like, I don't know, some little knickknack, you can almost guarantee that it, it was has been held by like three or four people, mm-hmm. you know, sure. like owned by that many. But a coin, like just by its very nature, changes hands so often. Yeah. And that is so fascinating to me to think about like who has held this coin yeah. like all the yeah. way back since it was minted. That Whose is so interesting. Was added, yeah, exactly. In exactly. Soda. <laughs> And then after that, as I started, you know, I remember around that time was when my dad's like, all right, he's like, now you're getting more into like the, you know, I was doing baseball card collecting as a kid and and some coin stuff. But when I got to watch the Goonies for the first time and I realized like 
pirate treasure. I never thought about <laughs> oh, that. Hell and, yeah. And then suddenly I was like, wow, I would love to own a piece of pirate treasure one day. And then fast forward 15 years later <laughs> after that, um, you know, so about, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago, I was like, I can actually own this stuff. You're telling me <laughs> I, can, I can find this stuff and Wait wear it and buy and sell it. That's so cool. And so now that's what a big part of my business is, is pirate treasure, <laughs> essentially. That's, so, that's <laughs> super rad. cool. Well, and I've always, you know, like my grandpa collected coins. Like he started, he collected like the 50 US quarters when mm-hmm. those were coming out. Yeah. And like I always thought, I was like, are, are are these going to like be their retirement someday or is it because of the story thing? Because that's, I'm so glad you said that because that's the whole reason this podcast exists is nothing singularly on its own is interesting until you know the history behind it or can imagine the life it lived before it came to you, right. whatever the object is. Yep. So I'm so glad that you said that. But were they collecting for the stories or were they were like, this is going to buy me a yacht? Yeah, for, for a lot of the US stuff, let's just say, Let's say whatever this year's quarters. I remember they were saying like they were going to do now they've already done all the states and they've been doing different areas or historical figures. I think the last Mm -hmm. one they did was like Maya Angelou is on on one of the back one of the quarters. So every year they're going to be doing something like that. And to be perfectly honest, the most money you're ever going to make out of something like that is if you were to get a brand new one from the mint, let's say Mm -hmm. it's like a proof set almost. Um, and if you were to take it and send it off to get graded, there's a lot of companies that do grading, just like you'd see now there's like Pokemon cards that are selling for over a million dollars and they're in a little plastic holder with a grade and that's a whole other side of the business. So if you wanted to play the market, which I do a lot of times is I buy these coins, we call them raw. So just the regular coin itself. And they haven't been circulated. Not necessarily right. that they haven't been circulated, but that is that is a factor. Um, okay. But raw just I'm means it's not. Myself. Yeah, it's not holders. <laughs> For example, like I'm going to hold this up. This is a Mexico eight real. This is from around 1630, just so you can see it. So oh, cool. it's got every single piece is unique. They were all struck by hand. Um, it's got some. So that's why the edges look like smooshed gum. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, just to. To circle back before I get ahead of myself is a lot of this <laughs> coins value is determined by the surface. Yeah, how how good it looks. You know, if it is it covered in schmutz, is it you know looking all funky? Is it scratched up? Is it you know could be is the weight off? You know things like that all mm-hmm. determine these factors. And when you get things graded, now you can put a grade. It goes into a digital database. You can compare those things to yeah. other mm-hmm. ones, and then the market is kind of determined by what people are willing to pay for it. So a lot of this stuff that I do is in a interesting little niche because I can now take these items that, you know, I made, let's say I bought a coin for $300 and I, I throw it in a slab and it comes back the finest known example. Well, I might now have a $2,000 coin on my hands mm-hmm. and you can check that stuff by looking at auction histories. So, mm-hmm. and I could spend so much time talking about the whole grading process, but that doesn't matter as much. <laughs> Basically people encapsulate them into holders just to increase the value and to preserve these, the current tone, because like, just okay. like other metals, silver will tone and tarnish over times. I'm sure you've seen uh-huh. silverware mm-hmm. that gets all dark. Well, the coins do the same. So the more that you're physically touching it, you're getting your finger oils on it. It will over time, tone and depending on what the composition of the silver is maybe there's a little bit more zinc or copper that just traces of it in in the silver you could get these beautiful rainbow tones or gold tones 
and it all just changes. So, oh, I like now you said throw it on a slab. What does the, like, that, so that's the plastic holders? Uh, here, oh, I have an example okay. of one that's right the, here. The short so, term for it, yeah. So, this is a slab for an example. Okay. So, it's a plastic holder about three inches tall by you know about an inch and a half wide, and mm-hmm. they come in different different styles. But this one specifically was, um, it's a you can call it a piece of eight. Uh, it's an eight real cob, okay. um, and it, very crudely struck, but it was found on the 1715 shipwreck fleet that sunk off Florida in 1715. Wow. Cool. Um, so those coins bring a significant premium compared to just any other you know, Spanish eight reals from that period. Yeah. So, so earlier you said that you bought them raw. Yeah. Did we did did I just yeah. miss what that means? Yes, Does that the, just mean you get the coin without the yeah? Holder, that just basically? means it's just the <sighs> coin is a coin. Like if you were to get pocket okay. change, they just call it raw. You know, it's just okay. it's not been graded, it's not been encapsulated or conserved. It is what it is. It's just you know the coin in your hand. Wow. So now is grading like appraising? Like there's people that are graders that would be considered appraisers. It's kind have to of, go through. There's not really. <laughs> The only appraisers I really find in the market are at the auction houses. So when you okay. send it, they'll basically put a price compared to what that similar coin in that mm-hmm. either whether whatever country it came out of, the date range, and the grade. They'll appraise it. Be like, oh, we think it's going to sell for $500. We think it's going to sell yeah. for 10000 but the grading companies are non-biased. They just they put it is what it is. It was, and they you generally get information like on this slab. It will start off with the with the year, especially if there's a date. It'll put that at the top. The city it was minted in, the country it was minted in, the denomination. Then you know, world coins will put who was the king during or the queen during the time. Then they'll put oh, the wow. grade. So they'll give it either a new a straight grade we call it. So like you get a, for example, like mint state is mid state so it's like almost it didn't go into circulation it mm-hmm. was made and then lost to time uh oh, wow. so you get straight grades or you'll get a grade like a details grade so it'll say very fine details so it does it's not nice enough to get a like a really good straight number but it's still uh, details is good um and then you'll yeah. get the weight and then if it has any special provenance to it like it came from a famous collection or from a famous shipwreck or even you know anything else they'll put that on there and they have beautifully designed and colored little uh little tags at the top that all this information is in depending on where it's from cool so that's i it just everything like we went in so we just finished an estate sale in idaho falls that's what our we own a company an estate sale company okay and this was the first time we ran across coins yeah and i was like fuck like one of these could be super like worth a ton of money and it could just be nothing. And we just give it back to the family. Like it was because generally we find change in a house, loose change. We have a cup or something and we give it to the family. Like we don't keep any of that, but these ones, like it was, they were in jewelry boxes and they were different things like that. And I was like, I know a little bit about a lot of things. I know, I don't know anything about coins at this point. And so I'm doing my general research on them which includes like finding it on google and then going to reddit or going to ebay or worth point or different places like that and i quickly found out how little change on a coin can make its value especially with like money that's you know in circulation or like uh australia mexico england canada the u.s i was like one tiny mark could change the value of a coin tremendously it's wild (laughs) it was wild and melissa i'm like info dumping on melissa i'm like so this you see this i'm like all the way down here by the number you see there's a d or an s yeah 
It was like if it if it was missing that twenty thousand dollar coin. Yep. But it's got a fucking D, so it's yep. trash. Yep. <laughs> yes. So it is worth ten cents. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And we went into a coin shop here in town that they were lovely. They lovely. were so nice. Yeah. And I remember seeing the cases filled with coins and I was instantly like, I, this is no idea above my pay grade. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't do anything to do with it. So bravo on, I mean, pirate coins though. That's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole nother very niche market. And honestly, it's a very, ex- it's a very expensive market to get into. <laughs> like yeah. Expensive it really is. I mean, I think for the cheapest one I've ever seen is around $50 and it's, you know, you can't even hardly tell what's on it. You can't, it it looks like a lump of silver, but the most expensive one I've ever held there, you know, it's a Ada Scudo. So the largest gold denomination that Spain ever made um, about the size of a silver dollar. um, And it's, it is the equivalent to an ounce of gold at the time, which is just, uh, just over 27 and a half grams. But this one was from found on the shipwreck fleet, and it was the highest grade that they'd done, and it fetched like $150,000. Wow. So the, the range is so huge, but we're talking millions of these sil- silver specifically, and I can go into all that, but there was a specific place in um, the famous ma- mountain of silver in Bolivia known as Potosi. It, they literally the when the Mex the not the Mexicans when the uh, the Spanish Empire made their way down there, and the native tribes were telling them and showing them the absolutely disgusting amount of silver that they had, and to them it was just another metal. Yeah, they're yeah. Like, oh, that's just my. They're like, room. where are you getting that? And they showed them <laughs> basically, you know, Cerro Rico. It was a mountain of silver, and they went in there, and the equivalent of like, God, I, I'll look at the numbers again, but we're talking millions of pounds of silver came out of this thing and it basically that's what made spain so big for all those years they were pumping out so much silver they said it was literally like a river running through a mountain they just kept getting it holy now, shit yeah and there's so much history around that and that's going you know going back to the 1500s so and they, they we're gonna have stop. to cover that in the curio corner yeah yeah <laughs> That's so, and I've so got, cool. I've got maps from the from the mid 1600s showing all of this. I mean, check out the Instagram sometime. I did a whole yeah. specific reel on those areas, um, and I, I'll show you. I've actually brought an entire leather pouch filled with with shipwreck silver, so I can show you that. I've got <laughs> all these shit. artifacts. So <laughs> this is so we get there. cool. <laughs> I keep looking over to Gray, laughing at me because I'm just sitting here with my mouth open, like I know. <laughs> Well, Sam and I are just wide eyed. Like, yeah. Oh my god! Every time he shows us anything, I'm like, <gasps> what is that? Yeah. It's just, I I feel like it's like one of these, like Pandora's box almost. Like, yeah, you take one little teeny step into this, like with the world of coins, and now it's just like the top's been ripped off, and I'm like, well, what the fuck else is there? Like, what else yeah. is going on? Yeah. And I, it's funny when you said that they were hand struck. That's like one of the details my brain just never connected. Like, of yeah. course, they'd have yeah. fucking mints yeah. and molds and stuff. They were just like, here's, you know, the stamp that's been carved out of something and we're going to pound it into this yeah. metal. Well, and I'll tell you the, just, just as a very surface level about that. So Please. the way they were all struck by hand, you would generally have, so you had a mint, whatever location that they did it. And there was many across South and Central America and in, of course, mainland Spain. But what they would do is you would have almost like a, I want to compare it to like a dowel, but imagine like a, like a handle of a hammer. And on the mm-hmm. end of it, you have one side of the coin has been etched into it. And then the other piece would be on like a, almost like an anvil. 
a little different. Maybe we're talking, I'm sure it's varied by mints, but imagine almost like a stump of a tree that's maybe four feet high. So you could Mm -hmm. just, you have it in one hand and then in your left hand, you have the die, the one side Mm -hmm. of the die. And in your right hand, you had a hammer and they would basically take a blob of silver drop it on the one side that has been etched into your you know your anvil your strike and on your other hand you'd basically take that that dowel with the other side of it and you'd hit it with a hammer and now boop you have both sides of the coin and they were hitting these all day long and the sad part is is majority of people doing it were slaves were the indigenous yeah. people spain yeah. the spanish conquistadors ravaged those areas and yeah. took all those people to mine the silver till they died and you know, melted all their stuff down and made coins to fuel their, right. their growing empire, which was, you know, that's the dark side of this whole thing is mm-hmm. where this stuff came from. I don't know. So it was really dark history. Yeah, um, yeah. Super. And it, but as the years go on later, you know, it does become more and more people move to these areas that are not, you know, slaves and, and then it turns into more of a business. Um, mm-hmm. and, as, sure. and as technology advanced, now we're talking about, you've got milled coins. So they no longer are, hand struck now we are doing you know they'd have a whole nother process where they already have they'd press the coins down and every single one that came out was perfect and nice and round and they had the little edges would be like a circle square circle square circle square so you could no longer file things off because a big piece about these coins like i showed you that one they all have funky little shapes hit it so hard they'll the coins will split or have a funky little cool wavy Mm -hmm. shape well they're called pieces of eight because you could cut them into eight pieces to make change. So if you, you know, and each piece was considered a one real. So you have eight, one reals, they all add up. You can break change. So let's say you were, you know, trying to buy a horse and it was four real. Well, you only have an eight. Well, the guy's going to take an ax and hit it with a hammer, break it in half. Here's your change. Here's your horse. (laughs) Do you imagine wow. people want to get pissy about people still writing fucking checks? Can yeah. You imagine if we still had to cut change. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, hold on, ma'am. I need hold to on. give her, her four real yeah. back. You yeah. bitch. And I'm out of. You're holding up I'm the out line. of cut reals already. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Yeah. It's the holiday season. <laughs> well, and also put everybody it in wants perspective, a perspective. Like a coin like this size, these these eight reals. That's a, that was a ton of money at the time. For the most yeah. part, people were dealing in copper coins, the Maravedis. And mm-hmm. the silver was very common. But, I mean, I think the, the equivalent of two reals was like two weeks pay. So your paycheck was a single uh, – I actually have one right here. Your, your <laughs> two-week paycheck would basically, equivalent, basically come out to a coin the size of a nickel. Wow. And this was your two weeks of pay was right oh, here so this, li- this little guy um so that's you'd get that and woohoo now i can do whatever yeah. can feed <laughs> but, my family. but that's you know and most people didn't see gold i mean that generally was being used to pay for various other larger scale things not on your day-to-day yeah. like mm-hmm. day-to-day purchases so Maybe in mainland spain it was a little bit more common but not, at least not in the new world all that gold that they were striking was generally trying to funnel through the caribbean and then back mm-hmm. to spain and yeah so yeah can we can we go back to the the hand strike yeah. really quick sure. i'm just fascinated by it so the silver is pretty soft right yeah it's fairly soft and and so like what were they using what was the dye made out of was it just literally a wooden dowel no or was no 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 so it, imagine a wooden dowel and then on the end of it you would i believe they were iron 
because okay. they would they would carve them out because I know that as the more a die is used, the same one yeah. over and over right. and over and over, and generally your you know the sweat gets on it, they start to rust, and yeah. they weren't gonna you know they're not gonna spend the time to clean the rust. So you will find coins later that look the strike is kind of crude and rough looking yeah. or soft. And it's not because this coin went through a lot of circulation is because the die got rusty and it blurred out the ah. details. So you have a, metal- well, and it's in South America. It's incredibly yeah. humid. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. They I mean, there's moisture everywhere. Absolutely. And to be perfectly honest, the people who were striking these coins, they didn't care. They, they didn't even understand oh, yeah. what these symbols meant. So no. yeah. So it it it, wow. it does change from year to year. I could I could go into the details of the assayers, the people in charge of the mints, and they were basically given strict instructions. It all that mattered was that the weight was correct. They did not care that you know all the details of the castles and lions, the crosses on the back, the you know the shield on the front, or the pillars and waves on the front. All the intricacies of what that means, or a date. They didn't care so much about that. As long as the weight was right, they were good, and Spain was happy. Mm. But if Spain found out that you were skimming off the top, they'd either kill you or they'd chop your hands off. So oh, they couldn't wow. steal again. So, yeah, uh, that was Jeff whole- Bezos is of the time. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> really hearkening back to the well, maybe that's where Amazon got their Amazon. Oh yeah. Maybe. I mean, it could have. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bezos doesn't listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's so interesting. I my mind is kind of reeling from the th- I my, I guess I never thought about how they were made. Yeah. Yeah. And of course it was rudimentary and it was like I mean it's a very simple skill that that it's being morphed into what we have now where it's giant industrial machines that are rolling coins and paper money out yeah. with laser precision. Which I'm sure makes finding a rare coin or a misminted coin or something that's been fucked up like even more rare yeah well and there was also there was a period of time where for whatever reason um somehow the the die would actually get reversed so there would be certain information so uh, you know the details on the coins is flip-flopped or i've seen coins that were you know so like i explained you have the you have your die in one hand you have and you're striking it down onto the plate well sometimes you'd hit it so hard imagine when you drop a coin on the ground, right? It bounces and mm-hmm. flips over. Well, somebody, I've seen them before where they were struck by hand and then the coin must have flipped and fell back onto that spot and the person struck it again. Well, you now have both sides of both coins on either side. So you have the reverse and the obverse on both sides, which just, Whoa. it looks like a mess is going on, but people yeah. go nuts for that because the rarity of it. Like, that's so cool. Uh, well, I imagine yeah. like, just so you're being busy, right? And you're just, your die is getting loaded up and you're just smashing coins. Yeah, all day. Wow. So where did, when did the trajectory to like selling coins and being specifically interested in the coins you are interested in start yes. for you? So it kind of happened all at the same time about, I'd say about seven or eight years ago. I had a friend of mine who was huge into all of this kind of stuff too. Um, diversified into rare fossils and rare paper money, but had tons of shipwreck gold and silver and 80 pound silver bars and all that stuff. And was he came over and showed me all this stuff. And I immediately was like, dude, I have, I have to have it. So I, the first <laughs> thing I bought was a pendant. I bought a necklace and it was a, it's a, 
it was a Seville minted two reals cob um, or little coin that was dated 17, uh, 1718. And it had a little silver skull on it and it had a little <laughs> oh, bezel. Cool. I was right. like, that looks like I think something a pirate will wear. So <laughs> I bought it. Um, probably now in hindsight, I paid more than I should have because he knew I was a sucker and probably would. We all do it. <laughs> You were too excited. But I was so excited. It doesn't matter. And I'll never sell that piece because, you know, even though I didn't pay a ton for it, in hindsight now, (laughs) it's not a lot compared to what I'm buying now. But it's just, it looks so cool. And I know that I can now recreate those and sell them for, you know, cheaper so that the average person who maybe wants to get into it, now they have that chance to wear a piece of that history. So, you know, and the date on there is significant for me. Once you start reading into the history, 1718 was the year that they finally caught Blackbeard and killed him. So I was like, Ooh, that's the year that the Blackbeard was taken down. So, okay, this, this is pretty cool. And it's got a skull and bones. Sweet. Hell so yeah. hell yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So now I would have bought that too. Going back in time to the long beach show. Uh, I go to one. I was like, okay, now I have to find these coins. They have to be at the show. So I'm, right. I scour every table. I don't see a single one into the last, one of the last tables I go to. And it's a real crude, didn't look great, but the guy's like, oh, I want 150 bucks for it. And I was like, well, seeing how much I paid for what I'm wearing right now, sure, I'll buy it. And I got it. And honestly, it's not great, but it was the first piece that I ever bought. And that inspired mm-hmm. me to now cool i've got a piece of mexico a mexico two real cob little chunky piece of silver with it's so worn and circulated mm-hmm. that you can hardly tell so but i'll probably never sell it and i'll give it to my kids one day when i have them yeah. and that'll be a cool story but then i was like oh, oh, oh it's the whole world of treasure and i'm gonna go find it and mm-hmm. i've been doing it ever since <laughs> well so i think cool. that says something too really important for collectors i think in today's world of social media and seeing these collections at face value thinking that that is how it started for somebody yeah and being like if i don't start collecting these certain things then i i'm not a real collector i'm not putting my all into it like Every single collector has a story about a piece of shit coin that they paid too much for that they love dearly. My very first piece of uranium glass that was like one of my favorite collections to have start. It was so chipped and so beat to hell, but I found it in the wild. I got it for 50 cents. Yeah, I sold it to a listener that's been with the show for a really long time. But it's those things of, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew what I felt when I found that particular piece. And that's why it's important. That's why the collection's important. Absolutely. And so now it's evolved from coins. And I came to the realization, I was like, well, what else can I find from this time period? (laughs) And I realized, (laughs) oh my God, there's so much shit out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, because you have the other, your other love is like maps and chess, yeah, seventeenth and sixteenth century, yeah, pirate artifacts. I it guess, is. yeah. And I wanted to, I had to, I came to realization, and I had talked with my dad about it. I realized I have to pick a lane, or I'm going to just waste all my money and have my house full of crap. <laughs> so, I picked a lane. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to narrow it down to three hundred years worth of history. <laughs> Oh, that was smart. Oh, yeah. Was, that was smart. So a really niche market. It, right is, there. it is. But within that, I was like, okay, I only want to do Spanish re- colonial pirate golden age mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah. you're really looking at, you know, from the 1500s to about the late 1700s is kind of my my range. I have mm-hmm. some stuff from the mid to the early to mid 1800s, but the history for that, it kind of starts turning into other things. The Spanish Empire starts kind of tapering off and 
just the idea of the exploration of all these different mm-hmm. different countries and the people involved and mm-hmm. you know all the crazy stuff that happened in between and pirates and all that stuff i mean what's not to love i mean when pirates right. of the Caribbean came out and especially even before that as a little kid going to disneyland and going on that ride just I have to have more like this is so cool. And now I'm touching actual letters talking about the pirate problems and holding maps from 400 years ago. Oh, that's and, so cool. And buying it and selling it to people and, and then getting into flintlocks and finding out that, you know, f- the firearms from that period, you don't have to have a license for because they're considered antiques. So anybody can buy them. You don't have, you don't have a license in any state. So it, you, if you want a flintlock, you can just go and buy it online and get it. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, That's yeah. Know. yeah. So if you see one, you don't have to take it to a place and get it. You know, do the whole license thing. It's it's an antique. Like, so, so even you know if it's fucking fire it, good for you. Yeah, exactly. you know I how to get this going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, good job. Yeah. But how often are they in like shootable? Condition? Not often, honestly. Okay. Uh, the I was gonna majority say. of them, they're they're more just pretty on your shelf. Um, yeah. There are people. My business partner is a master restorer of these weapons, and so he actually his his house. He's got a whole workshop of skeletonized parts that he'll go to flea markets all over the country, and we'll find just you know here's a flintlock mechanism, here's the furniture, the the wood of one of these rifles, or or something. Take it all back. Now he's got the pieces and parts. And you can basically put together a skeleton style flintlock from the period with all correct pieces. It just wasn't oh, cool. that and we can go and shoot them. So oh, uh, oh, very fun. So cool. When we're actually we're working on something to where you'll be able to see all that stuff. So cool. hopefully YouTube's coming next. Uh, that's where we're Hell yeah. And, uh, I will subscribe. So, yeah. <laughs> Punch that bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is a fun treasure hunt. We had an estate sale that uh, the gentleman was an avid reloader and outdoorsman oh, and cool. hunter. And I had noticed like there was a stock, like part of a Mauser 98. Yeah. But it was unfinished, right? It's still sure. just the raw stock. And I was like, that's a strange to just have one piece of this gun, right? Yeah. And it was, I mean, the downstairs of this house was just shambles. Like there yeah. was stuff oh. everywhere. And so I, which is fun for us. Like yeah. I love to treasure hunt. So I'm looking and I notice I'm finding more and more pieces. That, and my grandpa built guns and traded guns online and all that shit. And I'm finding pieces and I'm like, this goes to that fucking Mauser. And by the end of getting stuff ready to go, I had found almost all of the pieces minus the barrel, yeah. um, the trigger, and then also like the mechanism to load the gun. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the cool put thing, it all together yeah. myself yeah. and sold it to a gunsmith. That was so proud of like he was so stoked because he had all the pieces except the stock oh for my that God. specific yeah uh-huh. and he lost it like when he paid for it he was literally shaking yeah he got it for a damn good price too I had I think so cool opening day there was hundred and fifty bucks on that gun with all of its pieces because it was walnut vanilla and cherry was wow. the stock. And then it had all the original pieces that were in great shape, no rest, nothing like yeah. that. Wow. It had 150 or 200 bucks on it. And the old men at that sale would be like, I can't. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. yeah. And I just so be like, oh, money. sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I think he got it for like 80 bucks or something. Yeah. Wow. It was on a discount day. Yeah. Yeah. He had it for a damn. But he had all the rest of the parts to put it together, which was fun. Oh, so cool. what I have from that sale, I took home the antique shotgun reloading kit. Oh, that is too neat. It's rad. Yeah. It's so rad. It's got the cast iron piece with the wooden handles to form the bullet tips. Oh, wow. 
and then it's got the um the, it, the it's all in one mechanism you roll it to make the bullet tip and then you roll it to crimp your paper and then to shove it onto the cap to make your shotgun shell and then it has the cardboard rounds to put in the top of your shotgun shell and it's got That's the awesome. <laughs> uh, wooden like turned barrel cleaner wow yeah it's so cool the stuff you find. Everybody... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The coolest stuff. And that's the yeah. thing is the story of it. Like this one had inside of it was like a purchase receipt. Somebody had purchased a bunch of pipes for their house from like 1910 yeah. inside of the kit. Wow. And it never sold. And I was yeah. like, you're coming home with me. So we're treasure hunters too, Josh. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Ever, honestly, everything is treasure, especially with the stories you can tell or yes. make up about it. So mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about this specifically, but I love all all of it. So everything that you guys are doing is is perfectly good in my book. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I would love to um, see your collections at some point too. Because that oh, would be yeah. cool. Yeah. It Hell is. yeah. You know it's funny. Before, okay, so the podcast started, my collections got quickly out of control. <laughs> <laughs> that was also before I was diagnosed with yes. ADHD. It all yeah. makes a lot of sense now. Um, and it slowed down. And then when we started, we started the estate sale company this last summer in June and quickly put a gigantic stop in front of our collections. Yeah. Of like, sure. You see the other side of it. You see the other side of the end of life collecting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it really, I think, me personally, it made me dial in, niche down. Yeah my collections quite a bit of like okay if i now know when i run across stuff how common it is mm-hmm. and how frequently i'm going to see it and i also am like i get to have somebody else's entire collection for like a month while we steward it to its next home and yeah. that kind of scratches the itch yeah. for me at least yeah. to like but i have i'm obsessed with miniatures um, fucking dumb looking stuff. Like I have chalkware fish right next to my head. Okay. <laughs> like stupid little idiot. Yeah. I love little shit. I love dumb stuff. Yeah. I like old pop culture stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of different Victorian stuff. things really speak okay. to my heart. Yeah. I have a, um, I have a special place in my heart for Victorian era jewelry. Oh, all yeah. of that. Oh gosh. Especially like a lot of the memento more, the, the darker yeah. stuff with the skulls and little bits of hair in it. Like that's so that is, cool. That's, that is Sam. Yeah. That's my favorite. I have bundles of hair in my house from friends and different things I've purchased. I actually am going to get a piece of Victorian jewelry, morning jewelry made yeah. for, for my grandmother's hair who oh, passed away this year. That's amazing. Um, But we have three episodes on the podcast with uh, experts in their field of Victorian mornings. We've talked to Hayden Peters. We've talked to Gina Icavelli, who makes modern day morning jewelry. Yeah. Um, but that's my, I was a hairdresser for almost 15 years. Yeah. And I had a book on my station about hairdressing. I have a pattern book. It is so cool. One it's of amazing. my favorite things. <laughs> I love so. it. Well, it, you said one thing about pop culture stuff. I That's the one other thing that I don't really advertise, but I do have a special place in my heart for, for vintage Marvel related like comics oh, and stuff cool. like that. I, oh, cool. I'll, I'll, after the podcast, I will show you a good friend of mine. Um, he's actually my business partner's son. He is mm-hmm. one of the foremost. Uh, he's a young, young guy. I think he's 20. Um, and he, he's one of the, like the foremost buyers and sellers of these rare vintage comics and he actually wow. it's a lot of that gets extremely expensive so i, I don't even oh, try yeah. and diversify yeah. into that yet but there was a special run of marvel did posters only for comic book shops in 1971 and they were all blacklight 
and they would take <gasps> little clips out of different comic books and they would blow them up huge and they would print them in black light and then you'd, you'd sell them. So I go over to his house one day and he's like, I, I have to show you this. I was been waiting to tell anybody, but look at all this. And he showed me, he got the entire set. Well, each one of these posters sells between a thousand and 1500 just for the poster. And so I naturally I bought, had to buy three of them because they were three <laughs> things that I loved. One of them is in, one of them's in rough condition. So it wasn't that much money. It was significantly yeah. less, but, um, the one I got was really cool. Cause it was before they had the Marvel show, the, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. It is, mm-hmm. it's got, it says Captain America and Falcon and Captain America's riding in on a Harley with like fire shooting behind him and oh, Falcon's next yeah. to him with his Falcon and just like jacked and, and it's signed yeah. by the artist, John Romita. Oh, so, that's so cool. Yeah. And then the other one is, uh, it's Thor floating towards, uh, Asgard and you see the rainbow bridge in the background and, and I actually put it in the back hallway to my one of my bathroom or to the bathroom, and I took out the light and I put a black light bulb in there. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell, on, yeah. It Hell yeah! Boom! Shows up real bright. So I yeah. love that. That's so cool. Yeah, this yeah. used to light up all of my uranium glass. Used to oh, too cool. Yeah, I have way too much. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. I have a question for you. I have an answer. Do you ever like go out into the wild and like find stuff? Do you ever like? Dig things up. What? Tell me about like okay. yeah. idiot. Yeah. yeah, I'll buy this. <laughs> <laughs> so, with being in Southern California, there's there's not a lot of the stuff that I collect that I can find yeah. out here. I don't sure. even. I've never even heard of anyone finding anything close to that. But mm-hmm. the only thing that is kind of near that area is all along California. We have all the missions that they would mm-hmm. put. The Spanish would establish all along the coast, all the way up. So there might be something if you metal detect around there, but that's all state and government property. So you can't really do that there, but yeah, I have, I have boots on the ground in a lot of the countries that I like the stuff I collect. So I've made contacts with either small coin dealers, like little mom and pop shops or people who are metal detectors in certain areas. And I'll buy the stuff directly from them. So yeah. they'll say like, Hey, let's check this out. I just pulled it out of the ground. Like I just, my business partners in Florida right now. And he went metal detecting. They had a little micro hurricane and he found a four real on the beach, uh, a crusty one, a piece of real shipwreck treasure on the beach. He found oh, out that's just learning what four real are, and so we could have that reaction. We both went, <gasps> yeah, <gasps> shit, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, so he sent me a picture well, today. Hurricanes are great for, I mean, awful. They're, okay, they're, we know obviously, that. Yes. they're terrible. Terrible but they for churn, today, but they churn great bits out of the to ocean. See history. <laughs> yeah, it's like a giant washing machine. Sometimes it actually pushes more sand onto the beach, but if you're lucky. Uh-huh. Sometimes it pulls a lot. If you go down about seven or eight feet on any of those beaches in certain parts of Florida, you're going to start seeing a lot of treasure because that oh. entire treasure coast, just ships were wrecking all the time. They couldn't pick up all the coins and yeah. it just would just <laughs> buy the next wave comes through. It's gone. So oh, shit. I, this I, is so cool. I'm ready to get a, a shovel and go to Florida. Yeah, it sounds you so metal detector. Rad. Yeah, I, no, I used to, and I know. you know, I've like I, all I've ever found is like rusty nails and shit. But like, yeah, still excited. Ninety nine percent is trash. Yeah, <laughs> pop top. But and it's stuff still like, that. like you hear that beep and you start digging and like it's like just the thrill of the chase. You know, it's so yeah. fucking exciting. And then you pull out like I don't know, like a fork or something, and you're like, "Oh my god, look at this! Look old at this fork. fork!" Yeah. Well, I had a, I it's almost so had a cool. heart attack the other day. I actually went down metal detecting at the beach near my house, and, um, well, I found I 
I immediately saw a glimmer of something that wasn't trash and I found a ring and I, I about had a heart attack and I immediately texted my wife and I was like, I just found this. And she's like freaking out. She's like, that's mine right now. Come on home. But and I'll <laughs> show you, it looks like a diamond ring, but, uh-huh. but it's not, but oh. it's just, I mean, it's still pretty. imagine five feet away from you and you see this gold ring with like a, you know, little cubic zirconia in it, but you see that. And, and I literally got chills immediately. I was just, oh, it's like, yeah. you gotta be kidding me. If that's a diamond ring, like <laughs> I'm going to freak that's... out. So but I like also that. had a similar experience he thought he found. <laughs> I don't know if I've told it on the podcast. He was he learned how to pan for gold because oh, cool. he's from California and then here there's gold in the streams and whatever else. He learned how to pan for gold. I'll make it short. Yeah. Learned how, went up, spent the whole day. And then he thought he'd come across like a whole band of like gems and gold. And oh, wow. so he spent like hours. His phone was dead. I thought he was dead. I was trying to get a hold of him. <laughs> He's not answering me. Goes to his dad's house. Him and his dad go back up the mountain and they're digging in this, like where they found, they found like a honey hole. Like we're set for life. Oh. He goes home, gets it all cleaned up, starts looking at it. And then he has the realization that what he has spent all day panning was aquarium rocks. Oh no. <laughs> Somebody had dumped their aquarium out there in Wolverine. Oh no. And all of the rocks had been finally ground down. <laughs> We're oh, rich. that's hilarious. <laughs> and it was just a just a vial of aquarium rocks. That's hilarious. Sometimes it's a fork, sometimes it's a cubic zirconia. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Now you do have in your questionnaire because yes. we're. I'm so sad that we're getting close to our end time. I could talk to you for hours. This for is so cool. Hours. This, this is, is so. This is just part one. Well, I'll be back. Yes. <laughs> oh hell yeah, hell yeah. So tell me about some of your most prized possessions because I don't want to. I don't want to leak out any spoilers of them because they're very cool. Of course. So I, I have one with me today, and <gasps> I'll show you first. I'll pull it out. Um, I didn't tell Melissa, and she knows nothing. Okay. So this, okay, I'm so excited. So real quick, just uh, so I can show you plenty of stuff with yeah, plenty yeah. of little story. So history on this: my business partner is a very influential in the whole world of arms, armor. Um, his production company. He provided all the props for Pirates of the Caribbean for a lot of other major films. Um, so he has I, to be on the show. He yeah, to... <laughs> that's he'll come next. Yeah. Um, okay. okay, okay cool. He, he is a wealth of knowledge. Um, anyway, wow. I got this from him. Um, this piece, he gets called by, uh, museums when museums decide that they want to put a new exhibit up. Well, they are often have a million times more than what's on display in their storage. So mm-hmm. when they're ready to sell stuff, they contact him and a few other people and they have a very private, small auction. They say, all right, who wants this? And they're like, two guys are going at it. And they're like, eh, I want this, this, and this. I don't care about that. Well, he got this. Um, and this is a flintlock and it was my first one. And I decided I'm going to spend as much money as I can for something that I could afford. Uh, I've always believed buy the best thing you can with the money that you currently have on oh, possible. Yeah, so sure. it's cause it's just going to look so much better and you know, all that. So mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. piece was made in the early to mid 1700s. It is completely encrusted in silver with gold leaf and red coral from the Caribbean. Um, oh. it came out of Turkey. This was in a Turkish museum. And this beautiful baby is <gasps> a silver-encrusted Ottoman Empire era uh, flintlock. It's and so I'll beautiful. show you, like, beautiful. the barrel is completely covered in hand-tooled silver. Um, right here along the top of the barrel, it's all gold leaf, all played by hand. Oh, my God. The intricacies within the grip of all, I mean, it's, I'll have to send you detailed pictures, but every piece yeah. was, they covered every inch they possibly could 
with silver. Uh, and all, right. all of it was different and can't even oh. describe it to you, the listeners. Like yeah. this will be posted on our Instagram. Yeah. Uh, You'll see the post all for of this it. episode. <laughs> oh my God. It's, and it's huge it's too. Huge. Like, so it's like what? Two and a half feet long. Almost. I can't tell. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty big. Wow. Um, now the cool thing of this, you can still shoot it. Um, I, this, this one works. So, okay. Did he restore it? Uh, the only thing he had to do was we just did a, um, you can professionally use a very light amount of the proper type of polish to put on the silver. So it doesn't look, it looks still looks period. It looks like it did yeah. the day it was made and it doesn't Holy look fake. Shit. So I don't touch the, we call it the furniture. I don't touch the furniture, the wood of it. Um, we leave that all intact. Um, and there's some minor splits and chips, but you know, this thing is over three, this thing is 300 years old. essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and the story behind it is at least what they said. Now I don't have provenance to prove it, but I'm going to keep running with the story. Was yeah. that um, that it was in the possession of a killed pirate that raided the Barbary Coast, so the North Africa area between around Turkey and the Mediterranean. So, and it is just very typical of that era, the Ottoman Empire. A lot of the mm-hmm. sultans and and people of wealth and power and status they would cover everything they possibly could with gold and silver. So mm-hmm. this one's covered in that. So oh, um, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. It, yeah, it looks like a pirate's gun. <laughs> so so ha- did it. have you shot it then? Uh, I have not yet. We're saving it. We're okay. going to actually hopefully do an entire when with the YouTube channel goes live. We're going to do a oh, whole thing. Yeah. We've got a safe place we do out uh, in the wilderness near near where we're at um, that we're going to test all the stuff. Cannons, hell blunderbusses, yeah. all of it. So yeah, here's cannons. Oh, my God. Yeah. He owns cannons. Yeah. OK, when that gets ready to launch, we'll do a round. Two. Oh, my God. 100 yes. percent. 100 percent. I, uh, what what's the date like obviously you haven't yeah. shot this and yeah. it hasn't been shot for yeah. presumably i don't know how long will a ghost come out of it yeah right yeah right <laughs> how likely is it that it's just gonna blow up or is so, it so like the only reason it's gonna blow up and you know, like the way i'll know it's safe is we clean the bore so you clean out the barrel uh-huh. of it make sure it's all good we'll check it with a light everything you know the uh, there's a hole on the side of the pan when you put the black powder so there's powder in the barrel there's powder in uh-huh. the pan so when you pull the trigger and the flint strikes it mm-hmm. creates a spark goes in and fires the fires the bullet okay um, yeah making sure that all is clean and works and everything um i could show you in person the same i don't like to dry fire it a lot but i could show you it would yeah. spark and it probably won't pop up on the screen right. but yeah, um, yeah we trust you but it fully works um okay but knowing the right amount of powder don't put too much in you put too much powder okay. in that thing's going to basically be a hand grenade so okay. um but yeah so it's doing it with so it's professionals. basically the loading of it exactly and knowing what you're doing mm-hmm. exactly so yeah. okay disclaimer make so sure you go with a professional whenever you go yeah. and fire these black yeah. powder pistols yeah don't yeah. don't ever fire your 16th the century prophecies does not yeah. endorse firing yeah. Flintlock pistols in your suburban yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, do please not try do not. <laughs> but please don't. At the very please least, don't. they're just the most cool-looking mantelpiece. Oh, so mm-hmm. how I am obsessed. I'm yeah. like I I cannot afford to get into this, but yeah. I'm definitely going to be on Google for sure. This pistol is like the Liberace's pistol. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's as as glamorous as I could have found. I I had to get it. I've seen one. I love it. It's the same. Instead of mm-hmm. silver little bubbles all over the grip, it's actually 100% in gold. But that pistol, it was a set, and they were matching from the early 1700s, but they sold for about $50,000. So wow. I couldn't couldn't get into that. But there's, oh, yeah. there's specific auctions for this stuff, specifically called Zernies, um, C-Z-E-R-N-Y-S. They do it a couple times a year. It's in Italy. And you will wow. see things you have never seen before. 
and the finest examples of guns with the provenance leading back 500 years oh. with exactly what lord or lady owned this and the periods and who passed hands. It's insane. So, that's so cool. if you want to see some that's really so weird cool. stuff, go on Zerny's auction. <laughs> that's so I'm gonna, cool. That's immediately. That's my nighttime task. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Before we get to the estate yes. walkthrough, please tell us about the sword. Okay. So I have a sword that was used in Pirates of the Caribbean films. Um, I believe it was in Pirates 3. Um, so it actually was in Pirates 3. So if you remember... They get to meet with the Brethren's Cord, and you know they have everybody come to the pirates. Thing. So you have all these pirate captains, uh, these different men and women from different parts of the world. They're all meeting, and they have mm-hmm. the pieces of whatever we, you know, whatever we had at the time was their pieces of eight to bind Calypso. Well, when they all walk in there, you do see there's a globe, and Kira Knightley goes in with her sword and stabs it in the globe, like courts in session, and I'm here. This is one of those swords that was stabbed in there. Um, it is, yeah, it's it's Ottoman Empire. It's set early 1700s, all period oh, wow. correct. Um, I left it in the other room. I can, I'll That's send okay. you pictures. It looks great. Okay, yes, please um, do. But you can't buy any of the props from the movie. Um, my business partner doesn't sell them, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've become really close and it's just, he just let you look at him every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> hey. I was, you know, I, I get to see all this stuff. But the coolest one, I don't know if, did you want to talk about, like, the, the Holy Grail yes. stuff? Yes. Okay, the Holy 100%. Grail items. I've got two of them. The first one, uh, we'll just talk about swords first. The first one <laughs> is the sword that Keith Richards, who was Jack Sparrow's dad in the films, it's it was his sword that he used. So that sword is dated i think to the late 1600s it's got the east the dutch east india company the voc etched on it and the handle is made out of a human femur <gasps> <laughs> yeah we both gasped how fucking cool is that i know and Whoa. so he Sorry. told me about it and You'll see it in the films, and if you look closely, you can see he's got it. Um, so watch it at some point, but it's not something for sale, look but for it's something that, that it's it's just the coolest thing I've ever Does seen in my life. Does it still look like a femur? Like, am I going to no, recognize it? No, no, no. It, it okay. looks like... It's carved ornately. If you yeah. ever look at, like, old ivory and how sometimes yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. like, carved like that, it, it has uh-huh. that look and feel. Okay. Um, but you can tell it's been used. I mean, it's darkened, and it's... I don't know where it came from. The, you know, I know the provenance of the piece, but I don't know, you know, yeah. whose whose, is whose leg is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some um, poor bastard. Exactly. But the sword is just gorgeous and he used it in the film. So not only was it an extremely rare and expensive sword before, but now it's yeah. got Keith now Richards got used on the too. in parts mm-hmm. of That's Caribbean. So, cool. so is it haunted? You know, Probably. I I don't know, but I would I would assume so. Whoever's yeah, okay. you know, the the nerd at heart would say that is a cursed sword that has the oh, yeah. the a sentient blade oh, yeah, that the, has the, the soul the of the master. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the other piece is a map that I I would kill for. Um, there's a map shop. Check it out, RareMaps.com. Um, I partner up with them on a lot of things. They are the like the preeminent map shop of the entire world. They sell to oh, Library cool. of Congress. They sell to the biggest traders and um, and collectors in the world. They get things no one else gets. And they have a map on vellum. If you're familiar with animal hide mm-hmm. maps before they were really doing paper, it was uh, it was on a vessel from the East India Company of the known world with all the charting lines and hand like written little notes on this thing. It's about five feet long by three feet tall and it's got the pinholes still in it where it was pinned to the ship um 
and it's got all the provenance to it and it's like half a million dollars <laughs> oh that's so that's rad cool yeah and i'm looking My tomorrow at, a, at, at another one i'm actually going there tomorrow and they have a uh they have a book i really want i mean it's cool that it's a it's a bible but it's it's cool mm-hmm. as it is but it looks looks like a spell book it's <gasps> it's like a 20 pound leather bound giant tome with the bronze locks latches on it and cool. and yeah it's only thing is it's missing the first page the cover page and because of that it the, drops the price by like three thousand dollars so wow. hopefully i can afford it but just holding yeah. it i was like i feel like a freaking wizard holding this thing this is that's so cool <laughs> so that's so cool constantly coming oh. up with cool stuff uh yeah yeah that's what happens when you learn more about something yeah and then you're like yeah. oh what's that oh what's that and then the it's natural oh go ahead you go ahead no go ahead you go ahead you go. Last few things, just show and tell. Um, yeah. Do you love bottles and gla- yeah. glassware? One hundred percent. Don't ever come. To- There's a this, fucking bottle of perm rods, old perm rods. This. Oh god. Screen. This is a onion bottle. This was recovered off a shipwreck. Um, this is uh-huh. from the early 1600s, and this is what they would usually store rum in. Um, you can put other stuff, sometimes wine, but um, completely all darkened and scratched up, and it got cleaned, but um, Dutch made. And this is. You know, why is the rum always gone? Well, it always, they look like this. Oh, right. um, wow. And that's an old bottle. Oh, because yeah. it's made in that bulbous way and then yep. they press it down over something to give it the shape. Yeah. And so I have many different styles of these and I actually found there's a whole historical archive on the years that they changed the bottle style. So I've got different years of those. Um, this little guy that I'm going to show you, this is a little box. Um, if you'll check out my Instagram page, you'll see a whole reel I did on it. This little oh. box is about seven inches long about two inches wide and about half almost almost an inch high this little tiny chest well less a chest and more of a little box is a money scale set so before there were (gasps) banks look at all the tiny little pieces all these little weights correspond to a type of coin so if you were uh let's just say you had your estate company was in 1680 um there was no banks and you didn't know if there was any merchants or people who were trying to sell you you know use coins are made out of lead or copper that just dipped in silver uh you would use this money scale set and you'd see oh that's a spanish eight reals or oh that's a italian ducat or you know whatever other currency and you could use those little weights you'd put it on the scales and put their coin and measure it if it lined up you're good to go Oh, so how yeah. cool that was that? neat. And the last so wh- thing I'll show you real quick, That's and then ask so me rad. all the questions. Is yes, okay, yes, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is a it's a, the smallest treasure chest I've been able to find. Oh, it's and so cute. This little treasure chest was made in the early 1600s in Nuremberg, Germany. And I'm a sucker for keys. I love old yeah. keys. So this little guy, just oh, very wow. tiny, little, you know, little skeleton key type. And inside. You can see the working mechanisms all along the top. And oh, how cool is that? Listeners, you get to see me doing tons of reels on Instagram of like manipulating yeah. the locking mechanisms and all that. But, you know, little old chest. And for something that survived nearly 400 years, it's in a pretty cool condition. But and the smaller so they are, the key is they are there. just as expensive as the big ones. To be perfect. Oh, yeah. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> because sure. this little guy you can put on your desk, the 200 pound Armada chest, you can't really do that. But. Yeah, Can't so. it. it stays where it lives. It so, fits, it sits. That's what other cool. what other questions do you have? I mean, I just showed you a bunch of stuff. I know we have a <sighs> few more minutes. Okay. I, I my brain is reeling, Melissa. Go. Can we go back to the the weight yeah. the scale yes, thing? Please, absolutely, for, yeah. 
there there was some writing on the inside of the there the is lid. so i've actually been working on getting it translated um okay we have a friend that is a is from france he's a chef he's a private chef and we sent it to him because we were trying to get it translated and uh-huh. he is currently trying to do it himself because it's in old french it's like oh reading old english so yeah and it actually has two dates written in pen and, uh, like quill and ink um in uh-huh. iron gall ink so it's dated to 1673 on the inside. So that's at least the earliest we know this was made. And then there's a little note off to the side of somebody basically saying, you know, this is my name. I acquired this in this year. And it says uh, 1848. So this thing was used Whoa. for 200 years. Oh, my God. That's so cool. And somebody at one point, they used their little pen and and they wrote in old old French above each one of the the little weights. And it tells you what it's for like i see here like there's the one that's typically of spain i'll pull it out it's got a tiny little cross <gasps> in like a little circle so oh, this cool. one this one lines up to a four reals uh little cob so you can put that on the scale oh hey look at that and it, it matches up so i that's actually so have so cool and i found three of these over the years so i have three so, right uh, now have, do they still work like you have all these yeah. coins so have you ever tried it yeah i have yeah yeah, yeah. So cool. these actually two have the original strings. So one of them's <laughs> popped on it, but they're they would make string for fine stuff like this out of silk. So the silk just over time would just pop. So yeah, one yeah. of the strings has popped, but it's got like a little pink little tassel on the top and, oh, and all that. It's so cool. Most of oh, them were made in cool Germany and then just dispersed throughout the world. So That's I love so it. So cool. Rad. And this this one, I don't because of how the little trinkets, I think most people love like little weird, little cool things. So yeah. that, that got over 2 million hits and people just are like freaking out over it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got two people. more to show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How awesome. I Can have I... a giant brass scale that my grandparents got in Spain. Yeah. Oh, that when they is were over neat. there and it's like two sides, right? It's huge. Yeah. yeah. And I, my mom has stories of like fucking with weights, trying to line them up. I did the same thing and my mom had it. Yeah. And they were like, my mom was like, well, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to get rid of it. I was like, the fuck you are. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. like, where are you going to put it? I said, I'll find it. I'll, I'll find build it. a spot. <laughs> yeah. Fucking thing. It didn't have like the little, of, the little weights. Yeah, the brass like, weights. Yeah. Oh, that mm-hmm. is too cool. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I'll just fill one side with random bits and bobs yeah. around my house, like a tiny skull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. Why not? Buttons. I don't know. Tiny things. So um, the next time I'm in San Diego, I can just come over, right? And Absolutely. I can just like. I'll spend like out. seven hours at your house just yeah. looking at all this mm-hmm. shit because mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, I love uh, it. We'll open I'm obsessed. Up, we'll open up the captain's quarters and I'll let you play with anything in there. I mean, Hell yeah. yeah. I'm inviting myself over it. right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, like I, if you hear that sound, it's, that's what you would expect a pirate to be looking for that, that silver on silver. I mean, I, I keep bags oh, of this trust. stuff of the ones that I don't want to, you know, don't, don't care as much about, you know, knocking against each other, but you know, just, Handfuls oh. and handfuls of, of the richest silver, man silver in pieces. I'm obsessed. The South Seas. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can I literally cannot afford to get into this. How yeah. dare you? I'm How sorry. dare you come on our show? But it's nice. Now we'll add you when we tell our clients and they ask yeah. us if we know what we're doing. We'll be like, we actually have a coin appraiser. Yeah. That's one of our friends yeah. that He's we'll actually reach out to. Extremely and, specialized, but yeah. He can help us. He'll point us in the right direction. I can at least He'll tell you, point you in the right direction. If it's any stuff see? you see weird, chunky coins like this, please send me pictures and I can oh, yeah. tell you the value. Um, if it's got the chunk. 
But the stuff that you could definitely, that's more reasonably affordable is the smaller silver stuff that I'll generally set in silver, little bezel, and I'll put like a skull and crossbones. And if you want, I also, I make them for some of my friends. I'll put certain stones in the eyes of the skull and, uh, and depending on what your favorite color is. You're we telling me it. that you're also a metalsmith? Uh, so I design all the stuff on, oh, okay. on on the computer, and then I have a jeweler that I that oh, okay. I use. That's he rad. he just pumps this stuff out. I've got that's what that I want for so Christmas. Cool. Yeah, if you okay. love if you yeah. love all the jewelry, I have so much, so many rings. I just made earrings. Um, I got pendants, all sorts of shit. Cool. <laughs> he has to come back. Yes, you have to. I have so many more questions. Yeah. You. Um, before we get to the part where I ruin our friendship, okay. Um. Tell our listeners where to find you online. Absolutely. Well, the page and in person, if there's an in-person location. Yeah. Well, that's the dream is opening a brick and mortar. I would love to do that to have a, you know, a little museum that you could actually Mm -hmm. touch and buy the stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, in the next few years that can be a reality, but you can find me at red beard coins on Instagram um, or my store page, which I just mostly just post stuff for sale. And I don't really tell tons of stories. Um, Commodore coins on on Instagram and it's also commodorecoins.com. Um, I'm working on populating it, but I have literally thousands of pieces of silver from the shipwreck era. And uh, it takes a long time to post. <laughs> Melissa's I'm sure it Wait. does. Um, and of course we'll have that tagged across our socials as well as our website, themothballprophecies.com. Please do go check his pages out because they are wealths of knowledge. There's so many cool pieces that you get to see up close and personal, just like we did while we were interviewing today. And please, for the love of God, go and do that right now. Yes. Yes. Go. We have tagged in the post for today's episode. Please go look. Okay. All right. So uh, here on the Mothball Prophecies, every week we have an imaginary estates hell walkthrough based around our guests' favorite things, collections, hobbies. Okay. In this world, everything that I ask you about is top of the line. Your favorite pick, favorite color, all of those things. If you think it's there, it is there. Okay. The only catch is you can only pick one of the items listed. You can't have both. All right. Okay. It's fictional, but it ruins relationships. Oh marriage. gosh. <laughs> okay. Kid. Okay. All, All right. right. I'm 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 ready. Since you're our guest, you will you will answer first. Okay. Okay. So today is a little bit different. All right. We're gonna go on an adventure. Hell yeah. We're gonna cover a couple of different areas on this. This is kind of you know I just connected. I am the dungeon master of the podcast oh. with this. Oh, oh yes, oh, you oh. are. Okay. I tell a little tale. So obviously we're not gonna mess around. We're going straight. Under the water, we're going to find some shit. We're going to bring it out, okay? Okay. We're headed to a top secret place, okay? okay? With unopened treasure. To this day, these things have never been opened. Which of these famous pirates' chests do you most want to open for the first time? Okay. Captain Morgan's. There's a horde of them. Or Captain Samuel Bellamy's. It's got to be Sam Bellamy's. Straight to it. Yeah, um, because they've oh. actually found a shipwreck and they have a museum for it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have not had a chance to make it out to Cape Cod yet. Um, whether you want to pronounce it the Wida or the Wida, mm-hmm. that wreck is just, that's real pirate treasure. That is the only yeah. real pirate treasure that can actually claim it. And they only and so ever, much of it. There's so much of it. And so much. The history around him and just his whole his whole crew was diverse. He had people from mm-hmm. all different. He countries. commandeered a slave ship, like yes. a slave running ship, and was like, "Fuck you guys!" Gave them all jobs, paid them fucking fairly. Like, yeah, real Renaissance guy. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. "Do you want to kill the uh, the French and the Dutch that enslaved you? Uh-huh. Sure." And I'll he pay was like, you to do it. He's like, "Drakaris." <laughs> yeah, 
but with treasure. Exactly. So I love know, that. I love that. Good choice. That. Yeah. Uh, I know literally nothing about pirates. They're okay. fascinating. You're to familiar me. with one's rum. Yes, and so I'm going to have to go with Captain Morgan only because I have enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. They tip, did find similar two bottles of rum. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly have no idea. All right. Captain Bellamy sounds cool though. Yeah. He sounds neat. Rad. He sounds super, like a neat, super neat sort of guy. Good yeah. choice. I'm also going to go with Bellamy because yeah. I was the one that did the research. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. There's <laughs> a ton of shit. Yeah, perfect. Tons of stuff. And if you ever happen okay. to come across somebody who has a piece like that in a frame or something, there's a few out there. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's a difference between like you know this coin I showed you maybe around five three to five hundred dollars. That's a ten thousand dollar coin. So so fist fight them and steal. It. Yes, if you find anything no, from that wreck, fist fight them and steal it like a real pirate. No, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Offer <laughs> them money for Ruffles it. Ruffles does not condone <laughs> physical violence. To exactly. Treasures. Be nice. Maybe take them to lunch. Yeah. Yes. At, will it? Have them will it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Up next, we're headed back to the mainland. We've dried off. We have great salt hair. Now we're ready to go. Okay. We go to walk around just a little antique shop. Just poke around. See what's there. And it's course, It's on the coast. We're going to find some good shit. Okay. Inside the front case are two highly sought after coins in the coin collecting community. One is a St. Gowden's gold double eagle. Raw, perfect condition. Right? Ready to go. Okay. The other is an 1847 Great Britain Gothic crown coin. Both look beautiful. Not a lot of wear and tear. Great shape. Great prices. They're in a case because they know they mean something, but somebody didn't do the time to research them, so they're affordable. Since you are a guest, Josh, which one, which are you picking? You know, and, you know, some people aren't going to like me for this, but I'm not a huge collector of U.S. coins. Mm -hmm. Um, I see it, and it's just another, you know, Another coin with the Lady Liberty on it, and it, it's cool. But the history surrounding everything around Great Britain, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. Love our history, but the just so I'm gonna have to go with that. I'm gonna have to go with the Great Britain. I had to go with a, a not like obvious coin yeah. question. So it's gonna be like with thirty gold doubloons or yeah knuckles. What you, it's probably a good term. I don't know which one. Which one for you, Mel? Uh, so the gout. Let me describe Saint hey, Gowden's gold double huh? is. A quintessential, like, Art Nouveau kind of early American coin. It has a woman standing on the front, and there's huge, like, rays of sunlight okay. behind her. All right. And then, of course, the double eagle. And then on the other side is um, – what? what's on the other side, Josh? It's a – I don't It's patriotic early America okay. coin. All right. Okay. Yeah. Now, the Great Britain Gothic coin has a queen on the front – and then on the back is like the a gothic crown. Like it's very Victorian reminiscent okay. gothic. It's a gorgeous coin. And the, right. the profile of the queen on the front is done so artfully. She, and she is kind of elongated, like neck. She has very strong features. It seems like you're trying to persuade me to choose one <laughs> in the way you're describing them. They're both beautiful. I'm no, going and, with the gothic crown. Okay. That's why. I, All right. So if I don't, I again, I know nothing about coins. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I have to choose between Art Nouveau and Gothic, mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to choose. Art Nouveau. Yeah. So yeah. I would go with yeah. the double E. Right on. Just based on a yeah. stack. It's really, it's a pretty coin. They're yeah. both beautiful yeah, They're coins. beautiful looking coins. Yeah. All right. Great choices, everybody. <laughs> really covering the <laughs> bases of history in the end here. All right. This one is related to your one of your other special interests that yeah. we didn't really get into. Yeah. And it's for D&D. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You're given the almost impossible task of choosing between these two items. Oh, boy. Okay. In your quest, okay? Okay. You have the choice of a bag of holding or the emerald pen. 
Ooh-wee. Both two very different items I've learned about from Spellcheck and Gray before yeah. this recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> both do very different things. Both uh, invaluable yeah. in in the realm. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, right. let me put it this way. I, I, mm-hmm. I could see uses every single day with a bag of holding. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen mm-hmm. it used for horrible things. So um, you can hide a body in there very well. Uh, multiple yes. bodies. Um, yeah. Nice. We're talking um, about Dungeons and Dragons, friends. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then Fantasy the Emerald Realm. Pen is the Dungeons and Dragons equivalent of Snapchat, is what I've been told. Yes. Um, I would absolutely go with a bag of holding. You could hold, I, I think it's like dimensions inside or like something 30 feet by 30 feet. You can fill up yeah. inside of a small little pouch. So, um, and if you happen to find another one later down the road, you can put them both inside of each other and open up a portal to the astral realm. So, wow, um, shit. yeah, so <laughs> that's another thing. Um, but yeah. I would go with the bag of holding because you can hold so much cool right. stuff in there. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I'm, a, I am. I, you know, uh, initially I was an emerald pen gal, and yeah. now I'm just thinking about being a fucking greedy little hobbit with yes. two bags. What if you get three bags of holding? Do you swallow the universe? Yeah, uh, the black hole, like black hole. Yeah, yeah. You could possibly, <laughs> well, or at least now you're going into the astral plane with your own bag of holding. So hey, to oh, fuck shit up, yeah. yeah, to take the coins from Captain Bellamy's <laughs> ship. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so Sam, does that does that make your choice a bag of holding? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also on bag of holding team because I I already have Snapchat. Yeah. What the that fuck do the I need the Emerald thing Pen I for? I did when I played any type of RPG was just take a bunch of shit and yeah. then get mad when they were like, "Hey, you got to put some stuff down." Like, God you damn can't it. carry all this. I'm like, why not? Yeah, exactly. So now you can co- carry everything. <laughs> fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Bag of holdings unite. <laughs> Off to gather coins. Uh this was tremendous. This was so much fun. Thank I had a you. blast. Thank you for inviting this was, me. Oh man. Thank you for being here. Yeah. I sit like ser- no, seriously, I could sit down and talk to you for the mm-hmm. next 10 years and it would mm-hmm. be Yeah. I am obsessed. Uh yeah, thank you so much for making the leap back into the show and everything. So worth it and helping us remember why we do this week after week. This was tremendous. I cannot wait to have you back on. Absolutely. And next time I would love to also I'll bring my uh, my business partner Sean. Um Hell yeah. Bring him on. We'll do it together and we'll just dive into just talking about everything treasure. Yeah. Um, We're going to do like the tiniest intro and then yeah. just and then, go. Yeah. You just go. Absolutely. And I just go. Well, we'll, well thank make you. it a multi-part series. It'll be a great time. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm all about it. I, I'm all about it. I love it. To hear Melissa and I nerd out even fucking more about this fantastic episode, stick around for this week's Curio Corner.